Welcome to the Radiant Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Kim Shaper, a certified hormone specialist and women's weight loss expert. If you're looking to reclaim your vitality, enhance your well-being, and lead a more radiant life, I promise you've come to the right place. Our show is a trusted resource for you for inspiring conversations, practical tips, and truly evidence-based insights that empower you to make informed decisions for your health and happiness. Join us on this transformational journey towards achieving hormonal harmony, optimizing your metabolism, and living your best life as a thriving, balanced, empowered woman. All right, everyone. I am super excited to have the opportunity to bring on one of my very bestest of friends, Miss Kate. Miss Kate, I just love you so much. Uh, I'm just, I am so grateful you're taking this time to do this podcast with me. You know, I literally just started this thing and you're one of the first people I wanted to have and um, just massive gratitude for you. And you guys, if you don't follow Kate, she is just a wealth of knowledge I love her so much in all the ways, but one of the best things she brings to this space is just her, her bandwidth and her vast variety of knowledge and how she can articulate anything and everything. And you can just pick her brain and she's like a walking encyclopedia encyclopedia. And, you know, one thing that makes her even stand out from the rest is just her ability to relate to her clients on such a a deep emotional level as well. Um, She's actually going back to school or you're in school right now, Kate. Uh, You're getting your master's in psychology. Yep. Clinical psych. Yep. Yes. And so you guys, like, I'm, I'm really glad she's here. I'm going to kind of pick her brain today and, and have her really give us some great insight around mindset. And I really wanted to take this opportunity because we were talking before the podcast around just kind of burnout and around kind of, excuse my language, boss bitches and people who run a business or, you know, are super busy with work and doing all the things, just how to maintain a level of sanity and being able to not only show up for others and be effective in your job, but most importantly, showing up for yourself and giving yourself grace and compassion along the way, because it's easy to forego yourself. So Kate, I just gave a long little intro, but I would love for you to share a little bit about you and kind of how you got into the space and we'll go from there. I love it. So first, thank you for having me. Those words are so kind. Hopefully I deliver on that today. (laughs) But So a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Vermont. I had this pipe dream of playing division one basketball. So I kind of set my sights on that, decided I was going to make it happen no matter what. Um, eventually I walked onto a division one institution and I took a starting position, uh, as the point guard shooting guard on that roster, the year that I walked on within the beginning of the season. So it happened pretty quickly, um, only to go down the line and then tear my patellar tendon, which is definitely a career ending injury. So that's mm-hmm. when I hit rock bottom. And got into bodybuilding to kind of fill that void of full-time exercise, athletics, kind of kept my identity up, upheavaled and raveled into that idea until I lost my health. And I know Kim does a lot of work around hormones and female hormones. So I lost all of mine. They tanked entirely. And then through kind of hitting rock bottom, I was in a position where I didn't, I didn't care if I lived. I didn't care if I took another breath. I didn't care if I was here. And so it wasn't until I got to that place and I saw how much it hurt my mom, how much I was literally just dying a slow death to find myself again. And so that was what 
was the catalyst to me understanding when you don't have your headspace wired correctly, like how detrimental that can be, or if you're focused on the wrong things or chasing the wrong things, or if your identity, self-talk, self-esteem, like if all of that shit is just wired wrong, if the hardware is wrong, it doesn't matter what software you try to integrate into it. It's just not going to connect well. Right. And so I like the easiest way that we can connect on this as far as like women and dieting or pressure is if you try to diet over and over again and you continue to yo-yo, you lose the weight, you gain it back. You lose the weight, you gain it back, right? There's something within your behavior. That's your hardware, right? Mm-hmm. That is causing that to become more and more difficult for you to achieve. Maybe you self-sabotage. Maybe you emotionally eat. Maybe your coping mechanisms are terrible. Maybe you cannot set a boundary. Maybe you feel guilty taking time for yourself. Maybe your communication is really bad. Maybe you had a parent who told you that you had to eat everything on the plate. And so you can't walk away from the table unless you've eaten everything even though you're full, right? There's lots of reasons people behave in certain ways. And so understanding that and then being able to rewire the hardware so that it integrates with whatever software you want in life, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your fitness, doesn't matter. But once you can install that appropriately, you think and feel and behave appropriately relative to the desired outcome that you have for yourself. So that was really the catalyst of me getting into psychology was it was the journey that helped me find peace and fulfillment in my own life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Gosh, so many great nuggets there. You know, if we rewind for a second, Kate, obviously I know you really well, so I understand your whole story. When when we were together this past summer, one thing you spoke about was like that one of the hardest things for me was moving out of being this fantastic athlete and eating normally and being really fit and strong and fast and all the things too more of this perfectionistic, staying in this box, bodybuilding type mentality where everything is super rigid. Everything is very tunnel vision, like hardcore. At what point did you start to notice, yeah, there's there's a problem here as you were moving more into the bodybuilding type environment? So I think when we talk about goals or we have aspirations, I think it's really important to understand what's motivating you to do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, my whole, my biggest like negative emotion was inadequacy. I'm not good enough. I'm good for now, but not good forever, right? People want me for what I can do. They don't care about what I think, right? They care about how I look and I'm validated because my mom's always like, don't fuck up your face. She told me that when I was a kid, right? Whatever you do, don't fuck up your face. Mm -hmm. It was like, I always felt like I was just a pretty face. And there was so Mm -hmm. much more to me that it was like, I don't even, why try? Why even work on that? Because nobody cares. And so it wasn't until I could realize like all the things that I was doing was to hit a point where I could say, now I'm worthy. Now I'm good enough. Now I'm pretty enough. Now I'm thin enough. Now I'm wealthy enough. Now I've achieved significant amounts of status. The problem with that is there is nothing external that will fix an internal issue, right? I'm sure you've seen this. Well, I'll have women who have incredible, lost a hundred pounds, like kept it off amazing transformations. And they'll say, I'm the healthiest and most fit I've ever been in my life but I'm still wildly insecure. My self-esteem is still terrible, right? I still don't feel good about who I am. And it's one of those things where if you don't fix what's going on upstairs, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. That's why the goalpost always moves, by the way. Always, always. You think you're going to hit this thing and then the clouds are going to part and the sun is going to shine through (laughs) and you're just going to be like that bitch. Like everything is just going to be amazing, but that's not how reality works. And so you keep chasing, you're like, well, maybe if it's bigger, maybe if I close this big of a deal, maybe if if I make this much money, maybe if I have this partner, maybe if I can get this person to love me, maybe if I can get this many followers or this much, you know, interaction on, on the internet, maybe that will make me feel this way. And it's never going to, 
And so for me, bodybuilding was kind of like that pursuit. If I can just get on that athlete, athlete mask and I'll be good enough. If I can really excel in this arena, I'll be good enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I'm thinner or if I can do these things, like I'll be more validated. The problem was I lost myself in the pursuit of trying to appease other people, right? Because sure. if you want to be accepted by the masses, you inevitably reject parts of yourself. 100%. Right? You and I were talking about this before we got on here, talking about me and content and social media. It's like, I have so, I'm multi-passionate. I have so many ideas, so many things I could talk about, so many things I'm passionate about. Just talking about, well, eating a calorie deficit, that doesn't excite me. Right. And so it's like, if I try to curate myself to fit the idea of what I should be on the internet to be a fitness coach, then I'm rejecting parts of me that I actually love. And so it's really disconnecting from the shoulds and the have tos and the musts and thinking about what feeling am I chasing? I'm chasing peace. I'm chasing fulfillment. I'm chasing joy. I'm chasing love. Okay. Mm -hmm. If that's how I want to feel, because at the end of the day, we have goals because we want to feel a different way. Then how can I create my life or my environment or my interactions, relationships, friendships to give me those things without me having to be anything more than I am? Yep. I love that so much. Gosh. And you're so, you're so right about the whole goal post goal post moving. I mean, you nailed it, right? It doesn't matter. And I'm sure you can probably resonate with this when you were, because, you know, let's be honest, you were very fit. You were very lean and tight and all the things, and you did so well on stage. And yet I can probably guarantee it still wasn't enough and you still weren't happy. And you're like, oh, well, I need to do better. I need to do more. I need to do more. And, and, you know, when we're talking about the goalposts moving, it doesn't matter if it's physique and weight loss or whatever it may be, nor, you know, even if it's around business, like I have to make this certain amount, or I, you're right, I have to be with this, this specific partner. Once I find this perfect partner, then everything's going to be fine. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and it is an internal job. And so when we talk about like an internal job and working on your hardware, what are some of the things that you've done to move through some of that stuff? So I'll say the most important piece to all of this, whether you're in like personal development or you just want to work on some of your behaviors or you recognize you self-sabotage or you're perfectionistic in your perceptions of things or yourself, the first step is not leading with judgment. And that's because when you judge yourself, you're going to feel shame. You feel shame, that's a negative emotion. Guess what? Negative emotions amplify the amygdala. They activate your habit loop circuitry. You're probably going to do something you don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so you're setting yourself up to continue to behave in a way that you don't want to be behaving in the reason that you're investigating this is to change that behavior. So once you can understand something, you can change it, right? That's the most important thing. And for me, again, I had nothing to lose. I didn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, well, I can look under the hood and see all my demons because I'm well aware of what they are. Mm -hmm. But instead, instead of thinking about in my head, because we we post-rationalize ourselves all the time. I did this because. I need to do this because, (laughs) right? And we tell ourselves these stories that are really compelling about why we need to do the things that we do. And so that's not necessarily effective, at least in my opinion. But if you want to know what you actually believe, watch your behavior. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was totally just like pretending I was a fly on the wall. I, I love like crime scene stuff. So I was always like, I think of, I had like video cam, like watching me. During uh, 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 right. I love And so shows. I'm like spying on myself, but like from a bird's eye view. And so I could notice when I was getting in certain areas or was behaving in certain ways, or like I was struggling to really let go of like, what if I don't do three hours of exercise today? What if I eat more than five grams of fat. Like, what if, what if I do this? Like, what's going to change? And then I was like, okay, well, you, you're fearful. Why are you fearful? Where is that coming from? Well, if I gain weight, nobody will like me. Is there any evidence that that's true? When you were heavier, did people not like you? No, I'd say people like me more. Cause at least I wasn't like a short bitch. Cause I was so fucking hungry all the time. Angry, angry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it was like, well, no, people, there, there's no evidence that that's true. So then where is that coming from? And it was just continuing to be super curious about why, what am I chasing? Why am I chasing it? Why do I feel that way about me? Who told me that? Where does this belief come from? And is it a belief, A, if it's true, but on one side of the coin and the other side of the coin is, do I want to continue living my life believing that? Because mm -hmm. if a belief isn't serving me, I don't want to carry it. If I don't feel like I'm good enough or I'm smart enough or I'm pretty enough or, you know, I'm incapable, I won't try. Mm -hmm. And if I don't try, then I'm never going to find out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like just letting go of those things. Like I can feel scared and still do it. Mm -hmm. I can be nervous and still put it out there. I can hold back until I don't. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's not about not failing. I think people say that they fear failing. They don't fear failing. Nobody fears failing. Okay, if you fail in private and nobody were to know about it, would you be that nervous about failing? No. So you care what people right. think of you if you come up short relative to the ideal standard in which you present yourself to be. So then if you go backwards and you just say, this is who I am, this is where I'm at, this is what I know, and you share what you think, how can anybody judge you for that? It's when you pretend to be somebody that you're not, and you know that you're not qualified to be saying or doing the things that you say you do, that you are going to feel that way. But if you say, hey, I'm brand new to this. I'm trying to do this thing. This is my goal with it. I'm going to share the story as I go along. No one cares. Even if you come up short, you'll learn stuff, and then you can get better and iterate from there. But you will absolutely fail 100% of the time if you don't try. Oh, 100%. And you know, I think one thing, if we, two things, actually. Number one is, I love your self-awareness. It's huge because you can have the awareness, number one, but number two, to actually move forward and take the action is a whole different ballgame because we can have the awareness of what we're doing and realizing that ah, it's probably not the best behavior, probably should stop doing this, or I should probably stop seeing this person. But then it's another to actually say, oh shit, I have to make a change and I have to look at the reality of the situation. And it's very easy to put your blinders on and say, oh, we make up these little stories in our head. We give justifications. We make excuses. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of us stay stuck too. Um, but moving through that fear, but I don't think you, fear is inevitable, right? And I do think for a lot of people, depending upon how they grew up, where they are, change is, is hard. And so when we have to change, I personally believe, and I would love your opinion on this too, is change often happens when the pain of staying the same is more uncomfortable than doing something different. And with the change comes massive growth opportunity. And yes, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up, but it's all part of it. You know, I, I'll say this really quick. My dad said something that really resonated with me. And this was when I was like, gosh, what do people think? What about this? What about that? Because, you know, on social it's, it's tough. It's like, how much of myself do I put out? Do I put out that everything's great and happy go lucky? Or do I actually talk about how my business and how life is really fucking hard sometimes? Um, but beside that, my dad said, Kim, you have to remember one thing. He said, this is how it always works. You're going to have a third of people who absolutely love you. You're going to have a third of people who absolutely can't stand you. And you're going to have a third of people who are very indifferent. They don't care. They're, it's fine either way. So I'm like, that's really interesting to hear that because regardless, no matter how hard we try or try to appease other people, it's not going to change the fact that not everybody's going to like us and we have to be okay with that and just lean into our own authentic nature and, and just be okay with it, you know? So. And this is where 
I think it's really important that you have a good relationship with yourself. Because, like, I put out content all the time that people don't agree with. I don't care. Right? I have reasons I believe what I believe. I will share with you what those reasons are. But if you attack me personally or the way that I look or something that I've done, like, you're not arguing with me on the meat and potatoes of what I've said. You're attacking me because you don't have a valid argument to make. And so for me, it's just, like, filtering through that of, like, I know who I am. Anything that you try to tell me about myself, like, you know me better than I do, is just stupid on its face. So why am I going to entertain that? And the right people, the people that I want to connect with, probably think similarly to me or are curious about how I came to that perspective. That's an interesting conversation. You also have to remember that real life and social media are two totally different worlds. Yeah, I'm sitting and here so automatically. Not, yeah. Well, sorry, really quick. And so automatically, you're thinking, yeah, I can, all these people saying all these things at you, I can only imagine if they were saying that to your face. There's no way. So yeah, go ahead. And this is why I like psychology so much, because it's like, you have to think, if I can put myself in that person's shoes, what would cause me to react that way to a statement like that? My own insecurity, my own desire for status, right? We see this all the time on social media. In order to build yourself up, you've got to tear somebody else down. And so like, when I think about why somebody might say that to me based on what I've shared or what I've said, then it's like, I actually hope you get the help that you need. Like, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. not angry. I'm not going to come back at you unless you attack me personally. Then I'm probably going to pop off a little bit because I do have a little bit of that in me sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. most of the time, I just try to put myself in their shoes and go, why would I be so offended by that comment? And if you're offended by something, all it's telling you is that you're triggered by something they said because you know it's true. Yeah. And or so it's like, you need to investigate that. Yeah. 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 You need to investigate that. It has nothing to do with the other person, especially if they're not calling you by name. It's like, if that resonated with you, if the shoe fits mm -hmm. and you're upset that the shoe fit, then that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, but when it comes to change, you talked about it being hard and, and yes, people will say like you, you change when, you know, your current situation is harder than the pain it would require for you to change. Sure. It, this is also why I think most people hit rock bottom. And there's, mm -hmm. there's um, a paradox, it's called the beta region paradox. And essentially, we wait for things to get so bad that we have to do something when we would have been better off noticing when first it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So this is why people will gain 10 pounds and it's like, oh, it's only 10 pounds, it's not that bad. But then they'll be up like 30 pounds and then they'll be like, oh my God, I got to do something, my pants don't fit, my clothes don't fit, I can't wear anything to work. It's like you let it get that far. The same with relationships. You stay with somebody who doesn't treat you well, but they never hit you and they haven't slept with somebody else. So you like almost wish it would just get there so you can leave. Totally. It's yeah. the same concept. We wait until there's absolute verifiable reasons to part ways or do something different instead of noticing your intuition. That's like something's off here. Mm -hmm. And this is what I always tell women is not everything in life is logical. You can't rationalize your way to every true conclusion. Exactly. But you have to trust yourself enough to go, this isn't it. This isn't right. This is not best for me. This is not good for me. And you have to be your own best friend. I know culturally, it's like really not good for women or to be on their own side and be like, yeah, I am pretty great. Yeah, I am smart. Yeah, I am ambitious. Yeah, I can do this. But you need to be the person that's looking out for you. Otherwise, you'll just spend your life trying to people please everybody else. Yes. And you'll become and resentful through that process because you will never live out the life that you actually wanted. So yes. having conviction in that is important. And then also understanding that the only reason that change is hard is because anything outside of what you currently know is unfamiliar. Yes. And not knowing what's going to come is terrifying. It's terrifying, terrifying. for everybody. Yeah. But I think it's also really important to know that you can change your mind. You can always go back to what you know. Yeah. 
You can always go back to your zone of familiarity and your comfort and all that stuff. That's predictable. But if you don't like where you are and you think you're meant for more and you want to figure that out, then why would you not try? And if you can do it before you hit rock bottom, then you're already saving yourself a ton of time and a ton of pain from what it will take away from you to wait until it gets that far. Oh, he nailed it. So true. So true. Yeah. And I, I do, I think, I mean, and, and I know you can resonate with this. A lot of our clients come to us when they're in like in desperate, you know, measures, they're just in so much pain and they're like, oh my gosh, like I literally hate myself right now. And the other day I'll say is pretty, I was actually really proud of this client. She came to me and she's like, you know what? I really just was ready because I saw myself going down this road and I wanted to stop it before the train went off the tracks. I'm like, yes, I love that. But if you're stubborn like me, I mean, I'll wait forever. Like I knew I was sick for a year and I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I kept putting off all the testing, doing all the things. And then it came down to it where I'm like, I literally cannot think my brain fog is so bad. Something's not right. And so it was when I had the black mold stuff or whatever, but I'm like, God, why did I wait so long and just go through that suffering to do something different? But it's it's just so interesting. And you nailed it too when when you talk about the land of the unknown. It is scary. You almost feel like you're at the edge of a cliff and you're like, well, shit, if I jump, what's gonna happen? Where am I gonna go? But I do believe, you know, God, universe, what have you, it always has your back. Like it's all the gaps are going to get filled. And there's something to be said for when you release certain things more other opportunities will come in and fill that space for you. But I think we're just so petrified that it's going to be this black space of open-endedness and we're just going to fall flat on our face. And we might have those moments, but yet, you know, look at, go back and look at the evidence. You're still alive. You're still doing the things you got this far, you know, just, just keep going. You know, one thing, the other thing that gets those ways too, is if you're a perfectionist, you're also a control freak. Yeah. And you can't control what happens next. You can't predict it. We are terrible at predicting anything and you can't control it. And so you have to learn to let go. You have to let go. And going back to like fear or like, you know, you're, if do you drunk, jump or if, if you jump, are you going to live? Like this is where your relationship with yourself has to come in. Because if you don't trust yourself enough to make smart decisions to the best of your capabilities based on your current understanding, then you are already questioning your your ability to accomplish the goal. And if you do that, like I said earlier, if I don't believe I can do it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that means it doesn't mean like conscious beliefs. It means genuinely your core beliefs and your perce- perception around you, who you are and what your capabilities are. I know you can put me into any situation. I'll find my way out. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I've never been around people may not even speak the same language. Mm-hmm. I will figure my way out. I'm very convicted about my own capabilities. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I, I know everything. Doesn't mean I have it figured out. Doesn't mean it's going to go the way that I would like it to go. I might get some, into some trouble or some unfortunate situations, but I trust myself enough to navigate that to the best of my abilities and protect myself through that process. And that's all you need to have. You need to know that you're not going to quit, that it's not going to be easy. Expect hard. When easy comes, be grateful for it, but expect hard. Yeah. And then know that because you don't know what you're doing, you're going to suck. You're going to suck at first. My first podcast, terrible. My first piece of content, awful, right? It's, it's just a part of getting better at anything is you have to be willing to suck. I always tell people the wins that you're so desperate to take are lost behind the, are tucked behind the losses you're unwilling to take. Oh, I love that. It's like you have to learn to lose in order to win. And if you can do that, you'll win 
in your the compounding returns on the losses that you took is is going to be worth it in the end, even if it takes you to a different destination than what you thought it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we always think we're going to we, we know the inroad. We know that, oh, we know what's going to happen. This is going to be the outcome. And then the fear sets in. Well, I need to know if I take step A, it's going to land to step B and then step C but it never works out that way. But yet everything always works out the way it's supposed to, regardless if we're trying to fight it or not. So you're right, just relinquishing that control and allowing that flow to come in. I feel like it makes life so much easier. And going back to self-awareness, self-trust, intuition, I have found not only with myself, but with other people, when you are in that fight or flight mode, when you have anxiety, when you have that that fear, um, just running the show, you can't make rational decisions. You're basically living off impulse, other people's opinions, other people's thoughts, decisions. So you, you're literally just kind of floundering out in space, just hoping that the next person will have the right answer or, or whatever it may be. And I think there's something to be said for just kind of sitting in the silence and getting curious about what's coming up for you rather than having the shame and the guilt behind it. So when you talk about women just need to listen to their intuition, they just need to listen to what's coming up for them. What if a a lady was to say, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know what intuition is. How do I even learn to trust myself? I've been so used to being dependent on my husband for everything. I don't know if I can hold a job. I used to diet for so long. How do I know I'm not going to binge and eat all the things? Like, where would you, where would you go with that? Yeah. So the first thing that you always have to do is be honest with yourself because lying to yourself is not helping. Saying it's not your fault is not helping, right? Saying that it's every time you look at a carb, you get fat. No, it's your behavior around carbohydrates that makes you overweight. It's, it's, so it's being empathetically, but brutally honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. right? I've created these patterns. I know that my desire, for example, I'll share my dating life is absolutely a dumpster fire. Okay. I know that I tend to date, (laughs) Cam's laughing because she knows. Okay. I know that I am a helper by design. I want to help people. I care about people. I'm highly empathetic. I'm very curious. I've always been very interested in people and personalities and all this stuff. And I think if I see somebody with a problem, I can fix them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to help them. I'm like, oh, they're in pain. They've got some problems. Like, but I know what I'm doing. Let me get in here and like help them. Right. And it validates me. I know what I'm doing, but let me also self-abandon at the same time. Okay. go Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pattern that I have to see is I'm, I'm trying so hard to help somebody that I sacrifice myself in the pursuit of doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, it wasn't until I could sit down and be honest of like, why do I continue to be with narcissists? Like why, what is it about me? Not that I deserve that and not that the trauma is just something that I should continue to shame myself with, but there's something around my selection choice that's off. And so I have to be honest with, okay, well, let's go back. Did you see red flags in a moment when your gut was like, ick, ick, ick? Yes. Why did you ignore them? Because I thought if I could get them to like me that I would be good enough. So you still don't believe you're good enough. What would happen if you believed you were enough? Do you think you would tolerate that? Probably not. Okay, so now I need to work on my self-esteem, right? And I have done that and I've put in a lot of time and it's uncomfortable because you realize it's not easy to say I'm fucking insecure about my relationship life. Like I'm insecure about my vulnerability, all these things. But is the once you can get honest with yourself about shit, you know what the actual problem is. That's when you can fix it. So if you're codependent, 
right? And you don't have any autonomy in your life because everybody in your life has always given you handouts. Your parents paid for everything. They made sure that everything was taken care of. They bought you a car. You didn't have to work. Everything was great. You got married. You met your husband in college and he's just been super successful and your life's been taken care of for you. Well, the first thing you have to do before you even judge that as being good or bad, is it giving you the life that you want? If it's delivering what you want and people are saying, well, you should work, well, you should do this. If, if Hey, their opinion doesn't fucking matter. If you like the life that you live and the relationship dynamics that you find yourself in, who am I to say that that's not okay? But if you notice that you want to be able to do these things and somehow you just get really anxious about that experience or you're overwhelmed with the idea. I have a client actually that I've had to work with who used to be terrified to go to the grocery store by herself or could put gas in her car. Oh, wow. Right. She, yeah, super codependent. And so the first thing I always said was bridge, like, what is the frustration here? How do you feel about your inability to do that? Where do you think that comes from? Right. She has severe abandonment issues. And so she's like, I feel like if I leave, they're not gonna be home when I come back. Right. Or if I go to the gas station, my car's going to blow up. Like she just had these obviously like non-rational thoughts, but somewhere in her past was an experience that she had that made her feel like if she were to be alone, that people would abandon her and they wouldn't come back. Right. And so it's understanding what is driving that behavior where anxiety is a signal, right? It's not a diagnosis. That's why I'm, I'm like, they're not treating the issue of the anxiety. When you can right. figure out where the anxiety comes from, you can go back to the hardware and not just try to put a bandaid on it, but actually address what happened to you, right? Where did this come from? And then how do we heal that? Because a lot of people, when they go to therapy, they're focused on rumination. It's playing it back. It's going through it over and over and over and over and over again. I personally, when I coach people, I don't like that because people need to have a vision to move forward, right? People without a vision are the most dysfunctional and disruptive human beings in society. And so you need a vision and you need a purpose. So we need to address that wound and we need to actually take it to the hospital so you can have the surgery and let the wound heal instead of trying to rip it open every five minutes because you keep sweeping it under the rug and pretending it doesn't exist. Once that wound heals and now we have a vision and we've addressed where that's coming from, all of the negative emotions that are overly active in somebody who's highly anxious like that, we need to teach them emotional regulation, right? Once they can move past that process, now you can think clearly because your prefrontal cortex is activated, right? And then you can think through what is the next best step for me taking care of myself as I move through this process. Right. And so it's not a one and done thing. It's a constant process of honesty and vulnerability with yourself out of compassion, right? Out of knowing that you could be better than you are right now, but you can't be better than you currently are if you don't fix what's going on that's causing you the dysfunction that you experience. And the dysfunction, I feel like, bleeds in so many different areas emotionally, yeah. physically, mentally, spiritually. And you and I both know, you know, when we, when we talk to women and they have massive body image issues or they're petrified of food, it's never about the mm -hmm. food. The food is just like a, a coping mechanism or a byproduct of something deeper. So, Absolutely. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause How a lot of people think about like anorexia is self-harm, right? You're kind of eating yourself or not eating yourself into a grave, right? Obviously cutting form of self-harm. Nobody talks about the fact that binge eating or overeating is a form of self-harm. Oh, without a doubt. Right. And when you put it that way, right. Cause you know, I made a post today on TikTok that was like, you're not being a girl's girl. If you say that you're healthy at every size, cause you're not right. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of backlash for that. Mm -hmm. But if you Kim were telling me that you were struggling with binge eating and I was like, you look great girlfriend. Like you look good. Feel it all. Like I'm not being your fucking friend. Right. 
if you come to me and say, you're doing these things, especially if you know it's bad, because you won't be telling me, right? If you didn't know it was bad. Me signaling to you that you should just keep doing that is not me supporting you and alleviating the negative emotion that you experience and the reasons why you're doing it. Yep, that's very true. That's very, very true. What would you say is one of the biggest learning lessons you've learned over the course of the last year and a half? Because as your friend, I can clearly see you as you with zero judgment, with unconditional love. And I love all parts of you. I love, yeah, every part of you. And so I've seen massive change, but one question I would love to know is where have you seen the growth and where do you feel like that growth has come from? Wow, this is a lot. So I would say last year for me was really hard but on a personal level, right? Business is fine, but personally, that was a really hard year for me. And it was because once again, I had put myself into a position and I, I have this kind of inadequacy complex where I feel like if somebody loves me as I am, then they're not being honest with me. And if somebody's critical of how I am, it's because they want the best from me, right? Which I see as a challenge, right? Because I, I grew up as an athlete. So I lived my life on the fringe, never knew if I was going to make the cut. Am I, am I traveling that weekend? Am I starting? Like, you know, you just hustle and you don't know. And so that's kind of how I've carried over into lots of different dynamics of my life is I just have to keep going because I don't know if I'm going to make the cut, right? And you can live on the fringe and it's totally just a ton of pressure, so for me, last year was really about how do I learn to let go? How do I learn to stop beating myself up when things go a different direction than when I thought they should, right? When mm -hmm. I make a mistake, when I need space, right? Because I'm a people pleaser. Like I said, I'm a helper. So I tend to spread myself thin because I want to serve so badly, right? To be validated selfishly that I'm enough, that I'm doing enough, that I'm providing enough. And so that big thing for me has helped me create space in my life that allows me to actually serve to the best of my capabilities, to think as clearly as possible, to be able to fire off my thoughts in as cohesive as a sentence as I can possibly come up with in the moment. And just being able to let go and say, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I don't need to have a five-year fucking plan. I don't need to have a 10-year fucking plan. I need to have a today plan. And as long as I have a today plan and I do the things that are on that list for me, I can go to bed at peace. And the other thing that I also feel has really helped me is stop trying to stop trying to be what I perceive a fitness business owner to be. Like I said yeah. earlier, like I'm multi-passionate. And so I'm trying to figure out, well, where do I put all of my thoughts on the internet? Because I don't mind being on the internet. I like having long form content. I like having short form content. I like tweeting. I like doing all these things. But I felt like I always had to talk about fitness and weight loss. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I love psychology. I like philosophy. I like relationships. I like personality disorders. I like all different types of things like we've talked about today, just a, a plethora of things. And so instead of trying to feel like I can't, I'm not allowed to, it's like, I'm just going to do it. I don't yeah. care what happens. It doesn't matter. Like, I'd rather show up as I am. And you guys know me as I am and say what I think. And obviously with the ability to change my mind at any given moment, if I believe that I found better evidence or reason to change my mind, then I will. But in this point, it's just truly being as authentic as I can be to myself. And if I can do that, it doesn't matter what the outcome is because I was loyal to who I was versus abandoning myself, as you said earlier, to try to be what I thought would be enough because I'm never going to feel enough 
trying to curate myself into a version of me that is unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Love that. So when you think about, when you think about the woman who is very driven, type A, perfectionistic, go-getter, hustles, top of the food chain and corporate, runs her own business, wearing multiple hats, comes home, makes dinner, has three kids, including her husband can be a child as well, trying to do all the things as well as maintain her fitness, look lean, be fit, show a good example for her, her friends that she's got it all together. Let's say she's just on the verge of like barely holding it together. As you said, on the fringe, what would you do for a client like that? How would that look for you? So the first thing that I would look at for somebody like that is they are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be an achiever. There's nothing wrong with achieving. That's a beautiful level of ambition that I think women can have, men can have, anybody can have. But a woman's power doesn't come from her masculinity. It comes from her intuition and her femininity. And so when I work with women like this, like lawyers, doctors, business owners, they all run very much so in a masculine frame. And again, this is not to be like some woo-woo space, but essentially, if you are always trying to control things, you're schedule-oriented, you're putting your ducks in a row, you're planning everything out, you're very logical about everything that you're doing in a very calculated way, that's that energy, right? And the feminine is more of the carefree, let go, flow, playful, creative, kind of carefree side of you. And a lot of women who run that way tend to be very out of touch with, I can't just rest. I can't just relax. I can't just read a book. I can't just go for a walk. I can't just, I'm always, always going, 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 going. And so what I always do when I'm meeting with a client is first assessing the threshold for them, right? They're always running on this. Then I might be like, Hey, do you think maybe at the end of the day, before you walk in the house, we can take a five minute walk before you come home so that we don't carry work stress into home stress. Right. And I'll just try to break up space so that now they have time to be with themselves for five minutes, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where a lot of those breakthroughs come from for women is actually just being in your own, in your own dynamic, mm-hmm. right? In your own space. And then it's also examining, well, why do you put so much pressure on yourself? Do you, are you somebody who thrives under pressure, right? Pressure can create diamonds. We, we know that. There are also people who absolutely bust under pressure, and so then it's a mechanism of self-sabotage. I have to do this. I need to do this. My schedule, my to-do list is 17 pages long and I'm not getting any of it done. And then you continue to procrastinate because procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. You feel like everything in your life has to be hard. That was me. That's why I know how this works. Right? I felt like everything in my life had to be hard. And so I would go out of my way to make things harder for myself than they had to be. And it's because I was always in that masculine go, go, go. I need to achieve. I need to be better. I need to conquer. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's like, but the best parts of me came out when I could learn to just be, when I could learn to take a day and have no schedule, Mm -hmm. do what I feel like doing today. And you tell a woman who's like all the way that to just have a day where she doesn't want to, like she does what she wants to do. She's going to have a connection. I don't know what I need to do. She'll end up working. She'll just end up working, right? She'll end up doing something that she doesn't need to be doing because again, her value and her, from her perception of herself is that if she contributes to other people, She's worthy of validation. She's Mm -hmm. worthy of praise. She's worthy of love. So that's the hard part for people is when they they tie their identity into what they do. Because Mm -hmm. we are not our businesses. I love my business. My business is like a baby. It's like an offspring that I need to pour energy into and allow it to grow and thrive on its own. But I am not my business. Mm -hmm. I'm Kate. And so like that's where if you 
again, going back to basketball, I was basketball. Basketball was me. I had no personality outside of that. I was basketball. And so when I lost it, I didn't know who I was, what I was interested in, what my passions were outside of basketball. It was like I had nothing blank slate until I could take the time to stop trying to do all the time to figure out who I was, what I wanted, what I was interested in, where my curiosities would lead me and just allow myself to experience those things. Because the hard part about that too is, again, you're wired this way because you know you can measure what is going to happen next. Mm -hmm. When you stop doing those things, you have no idea what's going to happen. And that's terrifying because in the back of your mind, again, if you're somebody who believes that doing all these things gives you validation to be good enough, if you don't do them, you're also telling yourself that they're gonna not going to love me. They're not going to appreciate me. They're not going to respect me. They're not going to show up for me. They're not going to show me care. They're not going to, you know, because if I don't do this, you also have to like back up and look at that objectively. That's transactional, right? If we're trading services, then yeah, you're going to pay me and I'm going to give you, and we're going to have this transactional relationship. But if it's your family, Right. You do it because you you want to do it. I give because I want to give. Okay. That means you don't owe me anything. I don't expect shit from you. I give it because I in that moment want to. Yeah. And that will also prevent you from being disappointed. But you can't take somebody who's high energy and put them into a state of being because it, it's not going to flow well. Yeah. And so you have to start just doing little things to create space for yourself and give yourself the actual evidence that nothing negative is going to happen. The people that love you still love you. The people that cherish you still cherish you. And if you're better regulated because you're not a psychopath, then they're probably going to have better moments where you are actually present with them and can feel their emotion and can do what we do best, which is be empathetic and be caring and supportive and read the room and read body language and tell people what they need to hear. Versus always being solution focused and like, just do that, just do that, just do that. We need to do this. We need to move here. We need to create this. We need to fix that. That's not you in, in I would say, integrating the best parts of you to be able to do what it is you're meant to do. I love it. That's so true. When one other thing I thought of too, when you were talking about emotional regulation, mm -hmm. um, do you have a few different tips you'd recommend for someone to get more into a regulated state so they can actually tap into themselves and their body versus living in their head? Yes. Yeah, so this is a really great question. And one thing that I think, again, if you listen to like pop psych, which is everything you see on the internet, mm -hmm. what they always tell people to do is feel their feelings, feel them, label them, talk about them, right? Put a voice to them, put in names. People who are highly emotional, right? More on the anxious side of things. They feel their feelings. They don't need to feel them more. Right, exactly. And so this is why telling people to feel their feelings all the time is not useful to a majority of the population on that side of the coin. And so what you want to actually have them practice doing is not allowing their emotions to dictate their reactive behavior. And so this is where emotional regulation comes in, is you need to notice it for sure. You need to know when you're on edge about stuff, but then you also need to sit in it. And that's what people who struggle right? You're borderline people, any type of cluster B type of personality disorder, right? If they're highly, highly anxious people, they're highly reactive, right? Why mm. didn't I go? Why didn't you invite me to mom's dinner? What did I do wrong? Why do you want space? Are we breaking up? But did I do something wrong? Why don't you love me? Right? There are those types of people that are just always feeling, they're feeling all the time to where they can't think clearly. Right. And so you need to pull them back into what are you feeling? Sit in it. Don't react. Don't say anything. Feel it entirely. Face it head on. That's why I always say the only way out of your pain is going through it. You need to feel that emotion and your emotions are valid. That's the other thing. I don't like it when people invalidate somebody's emotional experience. Your emotions are valid. That doesn't mean they're rational, but they're valid. You feel them. So that's yeah. fair. But you have to sit and work through that because what we also know is emotions are fleeting. 
-hmm. Right. Your happiness is always fleeting. People think that there's some way to be in a permanent state of happiness. Guess what? Plot twist. It's never going to happen. Right. So your happiness is going to fleet, but also so are your negative emotions. So is your anxiety. So is your stress. So is your sadness. Like all those things are going to go away, but what you resist will persist. Meaning if you do not understand your emotions and if you can't sit with them to feel them and not be reactive or try to cope through them, right? Because all you're doing is making that pattern present itself over and over again, mm. right? That's how you can come to a place of, I felt that, I didn't die, everything is fine. Now I can think because when you're highly emotional, your prefrontal cortex shuts down, mm -hmm. right? Your amygdala signals, and that's what activates your habit loop circuitry. And so once you can sit through the emotion and it comes down, you can also start to think clearly about what you actually need to do. That's the best decision that you can make given your experience in that given moment. Yeah, that's really good. So whether yeah, that's this is, breathing, this is awesome. walking, mm -hmm. journaling, you know, anything that is going to allow you to actually work through the emotion too. Right. Because trying to think your way out of a psychological problem is like trying to snort your way out of a cocaine addiction. It just doesn't work. Doesn't so work. you need to process your emotions in a way that's practical and mm -hmm. also allows you to do it in a way that's not trying to self-sabotage or create a pattern of repeated dysfunctional behaviors that only leaves you in another state of negative emotion in which you then cope from. So it's just this continued self-fulfilling prophecy of negative dysfunctional behaviors. Hmm. That's so true. I love that. And then this is exactly why you are getting your master's in psychology. <laughs> it's fabulous. I love it. Yes, exactly. This is a, a great conversation, Kate. I mean, again, I really appreciate all of your great information and super, super helpful. You know, one thing I like to end these podcasts with is asking you a question. And because this podcast is named Radiant Revolution, what does radiant Kate look like from the inside out? I would say fucking multi-passionate, highly ambitious, total empath, like relentless in the pursuit of the things that I care about and has enough self-respect that I set higher standards for myself than anybody else does. Amazing. All right, madame. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone can find you all the things. Thank you so much. I miss you. You too. So yeah, so they can find you on Instagram. Tell them where everyone can find you. Uh, Instagram is Kate and Michelle. That's literally the same across all channels. So YouTube podcasting, my podcast is Elevate. Kim will come on soon. Um, and we have a live event in September in McKinney, Texas. So if you're listening and you want to come, come on over. Um I think that's, yeah, Kate and Michelle on every platform. You'll find me. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thanks, girl. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I'll talk All to right. you soon. Okay. Bye.